car industry is a pillar of our economy. It provides £20 billion every year to the Treasury, it employs 168,000 people, and it's responsible for 13% of the UK's exporting goods. The London Stock Exchange is littered with car retailers, including Verti Motors, Marshall Motor Group, and Pendragon. The car retailers have been rocked by the coronavirus pandemic. They were locked down in the spring, and as we record now in November, they've had to close their showrooms once again. My name is Alex Janyo. I cover car retail for the Investors Chronicle, and I've spent the year talking to the industry to keep abreast of events as it manages the pandemic. Today we're going to hear from Vertu Motors Chief Executive Robert Forrester, one of the most well-regarded executives in the game. I've also spoken to Mike Allen, a car analyst with a wealth of experience, who tells us what to expect from the latest set of restrictions, as well as making the case for investing in car retail shares. And I've caught up with a couple of investors chronicle stalwarts to chat about the challenges of buying cars during a global pandemic. This is not your normal finance show. Our first guest spoke to us last month on the morning of Vertu Motors half-year results. Now, the retailer had put in a battling performance in its six months to the end of August, moving from a loss-making position in its first quarter into profits of £19 million in the second. Here's more from my chat with Chief Executive Robert Forrester. Well, I think we're all a bit shocked when Boris locked us down. <laughs> That's the first thing to say. So we, we closed the business totally within 24 hours, which I think was the right thing to do. But then we took stock in the next 24 hours and realised that actually our service departments not only were not affected by the lockdown, uh, but actually were needed to keep key workers and essential services going because we serviced police vehicles, ambulances, delivery drivers, all kinds of things. So we opened 98 service departments within 36 hours of the lockdown being announced, which was far more than our competition did, that's fair to say. And it meant that our dealerships were, from a service perspective, open. Our general managers uh, were not put on furlough. Uh, We kept them in the business to do sales as well as keep the after-sales side running and look after customers. And our contact centres, so all phone calls and inbound bookings and appointments and internet inquiries are all centralised in the northeast of England. They moved to home working within hours of the lockdown being announced and it worked absolutely seamlessly. So it seemed like we were not open for business, but we were very much open for business uh, marketing carried on. We had a view that if we went dark during the lockdown, then we, we'd be slower coming out. We kept our marketing going on TV. I sold lots of cars, actually, during the lockdown. But it meant that we were fast out and we were quite aggressive coming out of the, the lockdown. We brought our people back, I think, earlier than most companies and took really good advantage of it. So I think we did well in that respect. I think the other thing to say, though, is that the sector has had a bit of a sweet spot in terms of where it's actually ended up. And it's unusual for the automotive sector to find itself in a sweet spot. Um, But if you think about what actually happened, people were sat at home, unable to spend money, earning very good or very good money, actually. Uh, In the main, obviously, some people struggled, but most people didn't struggle. Came out of lockdown, couldn't go on holiday. So having built up cash reserves, couldn't actually spend the money on holiday, which normally absorbs a fair percentage of disposal income. And even if they went out for a meal, which the government paid 50% of it. So actually, what do they do? And they've done two things, home improvements and buy a car. Exacerbating that trend, obviously, was Boris's fantastic broadcast on behalf of car retailers, where he told everybody to not to use public transport. 
So you've got a number of things coming together which aided demand. You've then got on the supply side, um, on the used cars, a constrained supply side conundrum, uh, which meant that actually pricing was strong and our margins were strong. So our margin on used cars normally runs about £1,000 a unit. It's actually risen to £1,400 a unit. New cars supply was good, actually, during the lockdown and coming out of the lockdown. But then when the factory closures due to COVID came through uh, later on, we're now in a supply-constrained position on new cars, so margins have been strong. So, in essence, we've had strong volumes, strong margins, government support, which is not inconsequential in this, and obviously a significant control of costs as well. The upshot is we've made profit. Profit is important. It's good for the financial stability of the company. It's good for our ability to invest in new technologies, new dealerships. We bought 10 dealerships this year, and that helped. And it all came into, into focus in September when we made more profit in September than we have ever made before in the history of the group. The digital sales played a bigger role during the lockdown as well. I mean, what proportion of sales did you make online during the half, and what role do you see this channel playing oh, in the future? Um, if you, well... You have to be very careful. Online, pure online retailing, where somebody buys a car without ever touching a human being on the phone or in a dealership, is very, very small. In fact, broadly irrelevant would be my take. However, omnichannel retailing, i.e. use of the internet uh, to contact us or research, or you can reserve a car online now with us, you can book an appointment online, you can pretty well anything online. And we've developed some great technology where you can sit on your sofa, video calls with sales executives, they can share the screen to the deal. You can buy a car as easily at home as you can at the dealership, but most people still end up in a dealership for some part of the process. Um, so that on the channel retailing is very important, but it, we're not talking about pure online transactions. We are definitely seeing, uh, rather than people just rocking up at a dealership, it's still our second biggest way of people getting to it, actually, is just arriving at dealership put announced. But we are seeing more and more people phoning up in advance or inquiring via the internet. And social distancing obviously promotes that, our advertising promotes that. We have stopped people turning up at dealership, but we would prefer to let to, for them to let us know they're coming. Since we spoke, car retailers have been forced to close their showrooms in England, although they can still provide after-sales service and customers may still collect cars. Virtu looks like it's emerging from the crisis as one of the sector's stronger contenders and has revealed that it's been on the hunt for dealer acquisitions since its results. We rate Virtu as a hold and for more information on the retailer, please check out our coverage on our website. My next guest is Zeus Capital's Mike Allen. Mike is one of the sector's most esteemed analysts and he's here to talk to us about the new set of restrictions and the role car manufacturers can play in supporting the retail sector. We caught up the day before lockdown 2.0 began in England. Now, a poll carried out by CarWows showed that 42% of buyers aren't planning on delaying their new car plans following the announcement of that second lockdown. But what can we expect from car consumers and retailers as these restrictions play out? Yeah, it, it, it is a very interesting question. I think car buyers are kind of conscious of Brexit and future supply constraints, uh, etc., probably going into next year. Um, you know, I, I think the car retailers are as prepared as they can be. That um, you know, all of the car dealers have put a lot into their kind of digital offering, and obviously having people like Carwell uh, helping consumers make decisions is, is valuable. Is a valuable part of the consumer journey. Um, the, I think the click and collect 
uh, will be permitted as well. Um, so it is it is very possible to part, kind of buy a car um, digitally. However, I, I still think the future of car retail is, is a mixture of kind of clicks and bricks, and given invest uh, giving um, consumers you know the the the, the right kind of um, giving them the tools to make the decision on their terms so you know uh, while it is possible to kind of buy a car uh, exclusively digitally most people can offer that service I think you know long-term people still want to touch and feel the product as a, as a big purchase Retailers have also consistently emphasised the importance of manufacturing support to me this year. What does that actually look like in practice and how does it help? Yeah, I think OEM support comes in in, in a few different forms, really. Um, you know, first of all, uh, kind of bonus targets um, um, is one form of that in terms of helping them to protect their margins. and. You know, if you if you look at new car margins over the last twenty years, they are remarkably consistent. Um, so I think you know that tells you that the the, the OEMs, uh, when times are tough, have always been there for the retailers because it's in their it, it's in their kind of um, it helps them to protect their kind of um, uh, network. I think the other way uh, in which they can protect is capex holidays. Um, which I think the retailers have spent a lot, uh, have done a lot of capital investments over the three to four years. And, you know, we, we were seeing kind of lower levels of capex anyway in the industry. And I think the OEMs have, have helped them there. And the other element is, is working capital, particularly when it comes to um, fleet work as well. So I think on all measures, um, you know, the, the OEMs have, uh, are trying to protect the dealer network at the moment. And, you know, the, the partnership between the, the retailers and OEMs is, is, is vital when, um, you know, the economy is, um, is is difficult. And I think, you know, look at, you know, in previous cycles, that partnership approach is, is always kind of one for it. And finally, Mike, given the current climate, some investors may view the sector with scepticism. So what's your case for investing in car retail stocks? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, the... Um, Clearly, share prices were hit hard during the first lockdown, and and actually, when the recovery kind of became more apparent, we you know we have seen some um, decent share price rise off the bottom. Um, you know, we, we we'd say longer term with, with some of the big PLC uh, motor groups. Um, you know, they're, they're clearly very well asset backed at the moment. Um, I think they perform very well in extremely testing. Uh, market conditions, um, and, and also, you know, they're, they're generating um, strong levels of cash flow. Now, clearly, there is um, a lot of uncertainty uh, coming into this impending uh, lockdown. But what I would say is, a lot of these companies are survivors. They're backed by very talented management teams. And I think, um, you know, at, at kind of current levels where they are versus um, asset values, et cetera, you know, when the sector bounces back, it bounces back very hard. And I think, um, you know, we will see a lot of change in the industry. And I can see 20% of dealer capacity being cut. But I think that leaves a bigger prize for those bigger, well-run dealer groups, um, you know, and that makes it even, you know, an even bigger kind of, 
leverage uh, positive return at the right time. So, you know, they, they will continue to have the challenges in the short term. But, you know, I, I think a lot of these businesses will be around for a long time and will do very well out of this, um, you know, out of this challenging industry. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the price will, will um, the price will be bigger than what it might have been in previous cycles. Things may not be as bad as they seem in the long run, then. After all, the car remains the primary means for getting to work in the UK, a trend that is unlikely to change anytime soon given our current reluctance to use public transport. Robert and Mike have talked a good game about the sector, but I want to know a bit more about what's going on on the ground and hear from consumers too. I've caught up with two Investors Chronicle old favourites. Readers will know financial planner Ben Yearsley from our portfolio clinic pages, but what they probably don't know is that Ben is also a massive petrol head. We also spoke to informal Investors Chronicle journalist Tom Dines, who is currently trying to buy a car, to find out how this has exactly worked in practice during the pandemic. Ben, for a financial planner, you have a real love investing in rapidly depreciating pieces of metal. Tell us about your passion for cars. Yeah, um, uh, investing isn't necessarily the best word, because I've never bought a classic car, which would have been a good investment. But yeah, look, you know, I, I, I've... Um, I enjoy the industry and I've, you know, it's been quite successful and I like buying cars. I like having different cars and I change, I change cars every year typically. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you've got to, when you, when you do that, you end up losing lots in depreciation, unfortunately. Um, but you know, that's one of my passions. So, um, I kind of factor that into my spending every year being a bit boring going, well, I'm prepared to lose X in depreciation. So, you know, um, I, I kind of get used to it. So, yeah, I change cars at least every year, probably every year. It's typical, if not more often sometimes. Sure. And when was the last time you changed car? Well, so I changed uh, I changed two, basically, as we went into lockdown um, in March, which, uh, which meant they basically sat on the driveway doing very little miles for the following three months. Um, so I, I kind of, I bought one and I actually did a lease on one, which, um, uh, which is the first time I've done that. Um, and which is quite an interesting process, but I didn't even bother going to test drive and look at the car. Um, yeah, well, I took the view, if you're buying a car, you know, that's going to be the second probably biggest purchase you ever make after your house, a car, you know, your biggest financial commitment is probably going to be your car. Um, and therefore, you know, take your time, do it properly. Um, but leasing, I thought, I know my cost for two years, and then I hand the car back. And it's a much more defined, you know, I, I, I knew what I wanted. I, I narrowed it down to a couple. I went to the best price. And I wasn't that bothered by actually testing it, because I knew the cars were good quality. I knew what I was getting, and I knew what the cost was. And therefore, you know there's a finite, what the finite bill is, which you don't know when you're buying a car. Because who knows what depreciation is in whenever you decide to sell it. But yeah, it's quite a yeah. But both of those were changed at the start of lockdown. I think I took delivery of the lease one in the first couple of days of lockdown. Um, so I remember the, the, the delivery driver turning out with his mask on and and everything else, and you know, cleaning the steering wheel and everything. Mm. I mean, Tom, great to have you back with us. You're in the process of buying a car. I mean, first of all, what are you after at the moment? Is this your first time? Uh, yeah, it is. So I've, I've driven for as long as I've been able, uh, but I am the complete 
opposite to Ben, I view owning a car as an uh, expensive, uh, unpleasant thing. So basically, I, I didn't own one. My partner has one for work, but uh, someone crashed into it and wrote it off. So we've been forced into the market. And um, yeah, we're just basically, we're now looking for something slightly bigger than what she had so that we don't have to then go through the whole process again, you know, in a few years time. I mean, has the growth, I mean, the growth of car finance has had a profound impact on retail. Has that anything, meant anything for you, Tom? Is this something you're likely to take great advantage of? Yeah, uh, to an extent. It's actually been striking everywhere we've gone. They kind of, before you discuss anything else, they try and sit you down and talk you through all the various PCPs and all that kind of thing. We probably will use something like that just because it allows you to get something slightly bigger. We just, you know, have to be very careful about interest rates and the the balloon payment at the end. So uh, I think big deposit and then low monthly uh, outgoings is, is the kind of name of the game for us. And how's the pandemic affecting the process? Well, we've been quite lucky in that we did all our test driving in the past few weeks. So now, now that all the places are shutting down, we can still get deliveries you can still do clean collect, so it shouldn't actually affect us too badly. The only way that it's kind of had an effect is in supply. So some of the kind of lower lower end of the range models are in quite short supply. When they come in, they go out very quickly. But beyond that, there's there's not been a lot of impact, to be honest, besides, you know, going for a test drive without the um, salesperson in the car. I mean, perhaps a question for both of you. I've had it put to me by car executives that we're looking at a future of fewer dealerships and perhaps greater use of the internet as a way of buying and selling cars, although maybe more as an ancillary tool than a kind of pure pure sales channel. I mean, Ben, you've been in this game for a while. What does that future mean for you? Well, ignoring what I said about the leased car um, earlier on, I can't... I, I, I find all these adverts on the radio, and t- well, especially on the radio, for various different car brands going make this as easy as for you we can you know, go online click on this choose your options bang you can buy your car and we'll deliver it i don't see that as feasible i don't see that as as even a short-term solution because no matter what i said it's going to be your most people it's your second biggest purchase you do you know after or your second biggest outgoing on an annual basis after your house or your flat so i, I don't see this i don't see the internet's being that helpful, it's good for research. It's good to get an idea of pricing, especially in the second-hand market, not necessarily the new market. But in the second-hand market, you, you know, it's very good. You can go on the likes of, without mentioning brand names, Auto Trader, for example, um, and just compare prices from all over the place and put specification that you want and like and stuff. That's great. But I would say 99.9% of people won't go and buy a car without test driving it. So it's great to do a bit of groundwork. But without the actual physical going to see the car, touching it, driving it, etc., I don't see this being a virtual purchase. So there you have it. Car retail is down, but it is certainly not out. For more analysis of the sector, please check out our website, investorschronicle.co.uk, where you can also find details on subscribing. Thank you for joining us on Not Your Normal Finance Show.